Hey everybody, uh, you're about to hear the edited and improved audio from our latest Ask the Once and Future Nerd live stream. The video is up on our YouTube channel, and there's a link in the show notes uh, for that. We do those live now at the conclusion of every chapter as a reward to all of you for keeping this labor of love from losing money, thanks to your donations, most of which come through Patreon. Um, you may have seen there was a bit of a kerfuffle with Patreon recently, um, where they announced some changes that were basically going to be really bad for podcasters, um, and creators and fans expressed their frustration, and now thankfully it looks like they are not going to implement those specific changes. Undoubtedly, there will be some changes coming down the pike somehow, um, so we're going to keep monitoring the situation, and we're going to start looking into other ways for people to contribute to the show if they don't trust Patreon anymore, um, but we're going to stay on Patreon for the time being uh, because, you know, provided they are smart and they put their creators' relationships with fans first going forward, they have generally been a useful service so far. And if you want more details about any of that, uh, we posted about it a few times on onceandfuturenerd.com and at patreon.com slash onceandfuturenerd. The sound is a little weird in a few places in this episode. I am away from my typical recording setup, so that's part of it. I was also a stuffy, stuffy boy, not sick, just in the Pacific Northwest where it is cold and humid every day and I'm not used to it and apparently have been tolerating a slightly stuffy nose the whole time that I didn't realize I had until it got recorded. Um, so this episode might sound a little less polished than you're used to, uh, but it's by no means unlistenable, I don't think. As a heads up, uh, if you have some of the more common triggers that people have, you know, um, you might want to check the content warnings on our show notes for this one. Um, I veer us into some dark territory that I maybe didn't handle with the most deft touch, uh, live in the moment. Nope, fuck the maybe, I didn't. And we try and help that out with, with the edit. We'll talk about that more when it comes up. Um, but yeah, heads up and sorry about that. Uh, and I'm also sorry that this episode took so long to get out. I was at PodCon last weekend. It was a great time with some really cool people, some really awesome creators, lots of good vibes all around. Um, by the way, if you were there and you wanted to say hi but didn't get a chance or you didn't know I was there, um, feel free to say hi now. I'd love to hear from you um, now or whenever. Um, but yeah, that took away from time that I had to, to edit this one. Um, but now, you know, if you're traveling for the holidays, hopefully this uh, this episode will keep you company. And yeah, this will probably be the last time you hear from me in 2017. We are hard at work on post-production for Chapter 4 and on pre-production for Chapter 5. Chapter 4 is probably going up in the first couple months, 2018. As usual, we'll post release dates as soon as we've got them. And lastly, before I stop talking mercifully, um, from our family to yours, we hope you all have a great time celebrating whatever winter holidays you celebrate, and we will talk to you next year. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ask the Once and Future Nerd for Book 2, Chapter 3. Um, as you probably know if you're listening to this, this is where we're answering your questions and discussing the most recent episodes of the show. So if you're new to the Once and Future Nerd for some reason, and this is the first episode you found, this is probably not the best place to start. We're going to have spoilers from the most recent chapter and probably the whole show, so... If you're new, thank you for joining us, but please go to our website and start from the first episode. So, 
With that being said, let's introduce who's here. On the call today, we have Shannon. Say hello. Hi. We have Greg. Hello. We have Ian. Hello. And we have Christian. Hi, guys. Okay, now we can see everyone. Say hi, everybody. Okay, so let's dig into it. So one of the the biggest things that happened in this chapter was the ultimate confrontation between Yulawin and Relotit. And I wanted to discuss this a bit in part because this was sort of a an inevitable point from the end of book one, once it sort of became clear that the elves were doing some things that our party would not be so happy with, that there would eventually, Yulawin would have to reach sort of a decision point, whether he'd go with our party or whether he'd go with his culture. And so I thought it might be interesting to sort of discuss how that went, how that could have gone, and see what people think about that. I also wanted to bring it up because to pull back the current, uh, the Curtain a bit, our writing team spent a long time on that actual confrontation between Yulawin and Relotit, so I just wanted to spend some time to discuss how that went, how it could have gone, and anything like that. Would anyone like to jump in? Oh, don't everyone talk at once. <laughs> so let me let me let me start then by saying that. When when we were thinking how to handle this, we sort of knew that we wanted Yulawin to ultimately stay with our party, because we like Yulawin, but it wasn't necessarily obvious. I remember when we were discussing it, we didn't know, could Yulawin stay with our group after this? How would he handle this situation? So, to to our panel and to the chat, I guess, do people think that it worked? Did Yulawin's um, motivations make sense? Did it sort of follow logically? So do you guys remember um, uh, Christian and, and Greg? Uh, Greg, were you part of this? One of mm-hmm. the things that we did was we were trying to, fi- to, to figure out why Yellowin would make that choice that he did to go with the, the party instead of his, his culture. And we made the decision actually that he should first after after leaving after getting kicked out from the camp he should go to his home yep. speak with his parents and and he has this sort of we we sort of had his appreciation of like oh here are the servants like his and and his sister had him sort of consider it for the first time so we we i remember at first we were suggesting that he go straight from being kicked out to 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 encountering this scene. But I think it made a lot of sense to have him first go home, have him have that experience, then later come upon um uh come upon um the Arlene. Uh, yeah, the decision point, exactly. Um so I I listening to it again, which I did um only uh, only two days ago, actually, on a on a road trip, I thought that it did work very well, and that uh, like, having listened to it beforehand, I thought that it it there was a a through line, there was a growth for this for this character that I, I liked, just not immediately thrusting him into this uh, into the decision point. He has a a warm up period. End of thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess with the, with the delay, we have to do like over. For Skype, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, 
Yeah, no, I, I think I think that's right. Like, I think we did work very hard to like set that up for several chapters, or at least you know, kind of why he's making that decision at that. Excuse me, at that at that time. Um, I think the harder thing for that that was I think the longest continuous scene we'd ever written. I think I think it comes in at like. 13 something pages and we spent like the entire writer's room meeting on just that scene um and part of it was like threading the needle of um like there is a very is a very plausible way that that scene ends um with arlene dying um and we really 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 didn't want to do that um and so engineering it in the right way that we get out of that without you know because if you if you pull the strings too much to force something where to where you want it to be then even if the audience is gonna is gonna start to see the the cracks they're gonna start to see the seams and the stakes are just gonna like all the air is gonna come out of it because you if you're consciously aware that the writers are consciously protecting the characters that you like, then there's no stakes. You know they're okay. Um, and so it was kind of getting those two things. That was the struggle for me is getting that to work in a way that like it felt believable and organic that Arlene survived, knowing that there was actually one of the less plausible outcomes maybe of, you know, that was kind of, you know, uh, like Yulwin rolled a 20 on investigation at the same time that Arlene rolled a 20 on charisma. You know, it was like, um, you know, and I wanted to wonder what you guys thought about about that and getting that to work. And Greg, whether you had any ideas about um, kind of Yulwin's growth up to that moment. Um, I, I think I think it works a lot. But I know that we stressed a lot about it, about trying to make sure that everything um uh, worked out they you know everyone made it out on the other side and it's kind of this it's not quite like a video game where you see like your character die if they go to the left die if they go to the right and like you have to keep truck going until you find the correct path where we we only got to present the one um so it, it you know it didn't seem as l- less likely but i think we walked through so many scenarios where we're like well no because then Arlene's dead, and that's not good. And then, well, no, then Yulwin's just the worst human being in the world, or elf person <laughs> in the world. Um, um, but no, I, I think we, I think we nailed it. Um, like getting yeah. out of there, and <laughs> um, go us. <laughs> woo! Uh, as far as Yulwin's growth, um, I thought it was. I think I talked a lot about it in the last. Uh, as the once a future nerd, but it was just like, you know, teenage kind of develop teenage development wise. Um, and he goes back to his folks and his folks are basically just trying to push his culture and his scenario and their overall agenda on him. And kind of hits that like, Oh wait, uh, maybe I'll go be back on the road where at least I got to have a say or it felt like I had more of a say than I do here. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I like it. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought that he, um, you know, had to make a big decision. He just kind of had been resting on his laurels and on his culture and hadn't really kind of strove out and made up. It seems like he hadn't really been 
in a position where he would make a decision on his own, like where it was just him making that decision before. And uh, I think he made a good one. I think he took a, uh, chose a good time to make a good decision. <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah. that's right. If I, if I remember correctly as, a, as an audience member, um, I think that uh, sort of uh, link, uh, linking to what, what Ian was saying, that it seems like him going back to his family's home, that he mm-hmm. saw the cracks in the argument that, that, that these yeah. people are lesser, you know, that he was able to sort of see that in a way that maybe hadn't even occurred to him before, but he was faced with this issue and it was right in his face and he had to make a decision about it. So having, so going back home and looking at his, his family, you know, um, in, in, in a way that was like curious and investigating and questioning, he was able to make this decision that was yep. the right one. And I think it was interesting how I don't think he fully had his decision until he made it. Like, even as he was, you know, after he saw his family, he was starting to push that way, but I don't think he was fully convinced yet. And even when he first ran into Relotit, like, that was still his childhood idol. So I think it was kind of cool seeing him sort of slowly reach that decision over the course of that argument, which was kind of neat. And... That leads nicely. The next question we got. So that actual, that argument led into a very physical altercation between Yulwin and Relotid. And then the subsequent escape over the bridge was a very sort of visual, physical confrontation. So we got a question from Cat on Patreon. Thank you, Cat, as always, for all your support. Cat asks, how do we make action scenes come through so well in an audio format? And I think in this chapter, we had quite a few very... Um, visual action scenes that we needed to portray and from I guess an acting perspective for you actors and from a writing perspective how how do we go about making those visual scenes occur I think really good narration (laughs) (laughs) I mean he's not wrong Uh... (laughs) (laughs) yes I am no it's, it's, it's um no, it's good writing. Yeah. That's that's really what it is. It's, it's good writing. It's I like sort of... I really like all these questions that are just like an excuse for us to pat ourselves on the back. Like they're 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 very leading questions like, "Hey, how did you do this thing so well?" <laughs> well, I thought that was the whole point of this stream. I'm confused. <laughs> um, uh, I know that's that's why I first got involved in podcasting. <laughs> just to, just to for, for all the yourself. fame. For all the fame of podcasts. It's like, you know, it's it's I'm like Moana to the water. I just <laughs> I seek it. <laughs> <laughs> but um so, sorry, real, it was sorry, go for it. I was gonna say, yeah, it is, you know, it is um Ian's performance as a narrator and uh and and writing it in such a way that like like, like there, there is, is um, um writing it in such a way that the l- lengths of like you kind of you can't get too flowery when you're trying to do an action scene like that because it, like if you're going to have it happen quickly and I think that was a thing that we learned over time as we did this in audio like it's got to be snappy if you want it to feel snappy um and it's also the the editing um like that was a um I'm I'm trained as an editor um and so uh 
myself and uh, Josh Perot of uh, of Taking Initiative, who is who is our editor for for a long time, um, getting the timing right between the the narration and then um, the sound effects that get mixed in later and get it like we kind of have to uh, one of the most common notes that I'll give in an action scene to our mixer is that we have to cheat time like knowing when to put the sound effects at just the right time so it's like um so it lines up sort of with the narration but you're not like sitting and waiting of oh when is the thing the narrator said happened going to happen in the in the sound like that's um that's a a tricky needle to thread and i think it's a thing that we've had to learn how to do um because i think uh we're one of the few um one of the few audio dramas of this like current generation that really leans heavily on narration, but also likes to have action scenes, I think. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of, like you were saying, like it's interplay between short um, audio cues with short narrative cues with short dialogue to, to kind of layer each of these short bits together to make them fit. Like you were saying, Christian, early on, we would try to have, long stretches of sound cues and then long stretches of the narrator describing it and it kind of felt disjointed so trying to layer you know the narrator has a short bit describing it and then you hear the sound immediately and then the narrator goes to the next bit and you hear the sound i think that helped a bit and then one thing i I know um ian you've discussed in previous um interviews how you really like stand and act your lines as you do them i was wondering um, especially Greg, because that was your scene. I wasn't there for the recording. Do you do that, or do you just sit in your chair and give the lines? Uh, Christian can attest to me uh, flailing about quite a bit in <laughs> recording. Yeah. Not in this necessarily this chapter. I think next chapter I get a little bit. Uh, I did something that was uh, preposterous, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> I think we all we all did preposterous things in chapter four. I think. Before the conclusion, I just wanted to say, Greg, uh, that um, uh, Jess, my my wife, uh, is like she loves comedy, but she almost never laughs out loud at like anything. And we were listening to uh, part one of chapter three in the car. I forget where we were coming back from. And when you're getting dragged behind the horse and going, ow, 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 ow. <laughs> she, la- she laughed out loud at that. Ow, ow. I really <laughs> like that bit. <laughs> So I guess the conclusion to to answer your question, Kat, is Ian being awesome at narrating and everyone flailing about. That's the short answer. <laughs> so is it right. any yeah, wonder right. I, I got into <laughs> podcasting for, for conversations like this? Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, moving on from that, um, after that moment in the chapter, we finally had the parties coming together. We had Arlene and Gwen in the same place as Regan and Yellowween in the same place as our kids, um, our kids, our, our Pennsylvania people. And I think this might've been the first time in the plot since the very first episode where everyone's in the same place. And I guess in the first episode, Regan wasn't even there yet. So this may have been the first time everyone was together in the same place. So, we got a question on Tumblr from user Loner Ravenclaw, who asks, has it been interesting having the different groups finally coming together? So 
what if people thought, what is it like to finally have uh, many of the major party members in the same place at the same time? It's uh, it's I, I would say it definitely led to a lot more uh, dialogue, but just because you kind of want to make sure that everyone's represented in in those scenes where everyone's together. Um, but that's a lot of people uh, for sure. So I don't know. It's, it, it's a, a new challenge to kind of uh, take on. We're also saying like at this point, it, it's pretty clear that everyone's personalities are, are fleshed out well enough where you where you can do this it's a good thing that we didn't immediately thrust everyone into this at the beginning otherwise it would it would be too daunting of a task possibly to write and most likely to to listen to to, yeah. to differentiate everybody but mm-hmm. apart from this one person who's listening to us who tuned in and this is the first once in future nerd thing that you've ever <laughs> listened to and you should tune out now Despite being warned multiple times, spoilers, spoilers, uh, everyone spoilers. else has, has listened to us. It's this one guy. I know there's this one guy still. But the rest of you, you get it. And you've listened to things sequentially. And it's, it's, it's allowed things to, to develop over time so that now when we mush everyone together, it's, it's, it's that it's a writing device. It's that anticipation of, of putting everyone together finally. And there's more to come. Yeah. I think it's not giving away too much that there probably will be a few more diversions and reconversions and diversions again over over the course of the plot. This is not like the end. It's not like everyone's together the end, but it's it's kind of fun having having that moment of conversion, I think. Yeah, I it's it's simultaneously fun and daunting. Um of like cuz yeah, I mean that's kind of what when you have these big epic sprawling plots where everybody goes their own way, um, and and develops and learns and really flesh fleshes themselves out as characters and they come back together. Um, like as a writer, that's that's super fun to do, but it's also like, oh fuck, like why you know everyone's got to have a reason to say what they say and keeping track of all of their motivations in that scene. And a lot of times, people are like not being completely forthright with their motivations so it's like okay what are they saying what do they actually mean and keeping track of that for 10 people and like i i love and hate how huge our show is um you know the logistical challenges of all these people some of whom play multiple characters who are now having scenes together um and trying to record and and edit that um there's all of that and like i remember a couple years ago, uh, Jess and I wrote a, a play that that Anya was in, and it was three characters in the entire play. And I was just like, such a breath of fresh air of like, okay, I have three people I need to keep track of in like one location. Uh, and that's it. And I think that's like one of the coolest and most intimidating things about kind of epic fantasy. So I know that... Anya has had to have conversations with herself when it was Arlene talking to Regan. Um, Shout out to the spam bot trying to give away iPhones in our chat. I don't know how that happened. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. Anyway, um, Ian, you've had sort of conversations with yourself when you were narrating the high priest um, doing his Um, thing, right? Oh, Goodness, yes. Well, what? So, what actually is happening? Uh, 
all, all you interested listeners out there in, in uh, podcast land is that we do do it one at a time. Uh, the head priest normally comes at the end of the day because it's the most uh, destructive voice to do. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, what, what is actually going on is that Christian is in the room at the, at the entire time and he is reading against everybody for everything. So he will, if I am in a scene with myself, he will, no matter the gender of the person or the character, he will just read the lines back at me for the, for the other person. And then I'll wait a second or a half a second and then keep speaking so that there's time to cut him out and put me back in. Uh, without sort of blending over. And, and sometimes, I remember we, we do actually, listening back to it, like, I pick up, up too quickly, and you can still hear Christian finishing his thought. And we're like, oh, God, we have to go back and do that again. Um, so, again, Christian's awesome. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I, have to, I have to say in this, in this love fest... Um, Normally, it's true that yeah, we'll we'll do each of the characters as their own um, recording. But I remember I don't remember if it was this chapter or the the last chapter or the chapter you're about to hear. Um, but we had a scene with high with head priest and narration and maybe one other Ian character, and we were short on time in the recording studio. And Ian, like a lunatic, just did all of them. Uh, in one take, and it was uh, it was incredible. And like I don't know why he did that for for us or f- to himself, uh, but it was it was a pretty incredible thing to listen to. Was it the head priest? You definitely did a head priest and narrator scene together, and I almost tried to talk you out of it, but then didn't because we were short on time. I think I may have been in the booth once when you did uh, Davod and narrator in the same scene yeah that sounds right that sounds right (laughs) that sounds like a difficult accent to switch back and forth for too very well there there are some outtakes of my screwing up the the accent for dave and i just go well i stop in the middle of it what is that what what did i what did i say (laughs) so i i hope that answered that question tumblr friend loner ravenclaw Moving on to some general, not specifically plot-based questions, we got a question from Rob Kebab on Twitter, who actually had a another secret compliment for Christian. Rob asked, so when is Christian going to voice a character? And in fact, Christian has voiced a few characters, so I guess you've done so well that no one could tell it's you, so good job. I highly, like, I feel like my, like, Bryce Riverfell is barely distinct from my own speaking voice. It's my, I mean, Bryce Riverfell is my shitty Bruce Springsteen impression. That's all that that is. But also, uh, um, uh, yeah, uh, Mr. yeah, that, that one is, uh, yeah. I think I did that one in the last live stream. Yeah, I, I think, think I did. Did, did, did you yeah. do it again yeah. for me? <laughs> Uh, in truth, Maguire, this is about ethics in academic. <laughs> Could you also do Bryce doing that old SNL bit of Bruce Springsteen counting? Because I really like that old <laughs> SNL bit. Uh, hang on. Wait, I need another sip of beer. <laughs> Hear that one. What the? <laughs> that one? Yeah, that one. Yeah, okay. So. 
Anyway, Rob, to answer your question, Christian has done a few characters. Um, I have not, mostly because I'm remote from everyone, but Christian does some, you know, spot characters here and there as well. And maybe just because I've known Christian for so long, every time you're like a guard, I know it's you immediately. <laughs> well, I, but, t- I, mean, I take the roles. I take the roles that require like basically no nuance or subtlety because I I used to I acted in high school like and God I someone's right, right right exactly <laughs> exactly well like because you guys. We pro- oh, well, probably a lot of us, I would imagine, acted in high school or like early college. But like, you know, you guys, you actor people, decided to like actually cultivate the skills to display nuance and subtlety. And I kind of like stopped at the just you know being a ham in front of your friends stage and cultivated other skills. Like I like to think writing and directing and editing. And so I take the you know uh, I take the roles that I can just like munch scenery like Renault. I'm having the most fun just having everyone praise each other in this in this in this live stream. It's great. I feel like my heart grew three sizes this day. It's... From its yeah. normal from its normal peanut size. Yes. Anyone who who digests this audio only, you can't see that Christian is wearing a giant Bruce Springsteen shirt as well at the same <laughs> that's time. True. That's a that's a special thing that's an on camera exclusive. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, moving on from that self love fest, um Rob to another Well, Rob's more serious question was about Nelson and Rob wants to know if Nelson is going to join the Templars of Discord, and will he get magic? Rob says, I feel like Nelson is about to unleash something big. Thoughts? So, of course, we know the answer a bit, and we don't want to just give away the plot of what's going to happen. But suffice it to say that something big will happen with Nelson. Let's let's go why, with that. Why are the, why would joining the Templars of Discord be the only big thing that could happen? What, what about eradicating the Templars of Discord? This is where I do shruggy guy I, emoji. I put it to you. <laughs> we be coy. Rob Kebab. I think you should join the Templars of Skype. Um, the Templars of Skype. It's a communication software joke. Oh god! Uh-huh. <laughs> oh no! I I didn't get it. Oh, I apologize. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that was my contribution to that particular question. <laughs> we're we're dancing around your question, Rob, because it's too spoilery. Yeah, but good question. Thanks for submitting the question. Um, moving on, we got another question from Cat on Patreon. Cat was in our live chat and then disconnected for a bit. So, Kat, I hope you're back. Um, someone in chat got your joke, Greg, so I, I guess it's all good. <laughs> so, that's a, it's a niche joke, that, so I'm glad there's someone out there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Kat asks, have you listened to any good podcasts recently? Which ones? So this is a chance for us to, you know, praise other people who are not ourselves. Except for Greg, because you could also praise Not yourself. Oh, damn it! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one quick shout out before everyone jumps into it. Our last question asker, Rob, also has a podcast, Nerds on a Roll. Um, we play their promo sometimes at the start of our episodes. So if you haven't, check out Nerds on a Roll. 
It's a um, live gameplay podcast. They, yeah, they play and, masks, right? Yeah, they play masks. Thank you. I had for, I had yeah. blanked on the name of their game. They play masks. It's like yeah. a comic book superhero action uh, actual play podcast. Um, but yeah, has anyone listened to any good podcasts? Uh, who's starting? This, you. This, I was like, we're not in a circle. I don't know how to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll start. Uh, I'm, I'm new to the podcast world, so yeah. this is actually the first one I've listened to top to tail, to be honest. Okay. Good answer. <laughs> so the love fest continues. All right, Greg, do the do the thing, Greg. I I'm in another podcast. It's called Left Trigger Right Trigger. Woohoo! Um, and we do stuff and i feel bad because i have been busy and haven't been i've actually fallen behind on everything else Mm. (laughs) um that's a real struggle for sure i mean i just uh uh, the new episode of um nope hold on uh till death do us blart came out the third episode (laughs) so um that is always a choice listen comes out on uh, american thanksgiving i haven't that was the that was the that was the first Till Death Do Us Blart that I listened to. Uh, I got suckered in by the whole Blart side of the moon thing. So for those for those who don't know, this is a podcast adventure in part by the McElroy brothers, where once a year on Thanksgiving every year, they watch the movie Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 and live discuss it. And their plan is to watch that same movie every year for the rest of eternity. And yeah, the I believe of, it's the end of, end of linear time. End of linear time, yes. Uh, and if anyone dies or can't do it, they have to find their replacement. I think it's actually strictly if they die, they have to uh, nominate someone else as their replacement on the show. <laughs> so. It's a very strange concept. I haven't listened to any of them yet, but... If Greg gives it its seal of approval, I guess I have to give it a try. The the other half of uh, Till Death Do Us Blart is the guys from Worst Idea Ever. Mm. And their whole thing is they watch a movie over and over and over again and keep discussing it until they can't do it anymore. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that's me. Ian, do you have anything? Um, is it too mainstream to say Pod Save America? <laughs> I have been listening to a lot of Pod Save America yeah. lately. Um, does Does everyone know uh, Beautiful Anonymous? I was actually just. Oh yeah, I know it. about it. I haven't listened to it yet. I hear really the good things. The idea is that uh, the, the the comedian, the improv guy, Chris Gethart. Yeah. He. I, I I'm I'm new to it, so I'm going to do a bad job of explaining it. But I think the idea is that for one hour, just a random caller phones in, and he has a conversation with this person for one hour and it could, it can be any, any member of the general public. And the rule is that he cannot hang up until an hour is done. And it's just, (laughs) and it's just, and it's just these conversations with no matter how, no matter how weird or how touching it gets, it's, it's one hour. What if they hang up on him? I haven't gotten to anyone who's done that. I'm just being yeah. difficult. So I don't I, know. I've heard that it got it can get like really profound sometimes and also like really fun. Interesting. Cool. As all <laughs> conversations do. Yeah. Um I also like like Greg, I've been very, very busy lately between um 
this show, and I'm actually temporarily in Vancouver uh, for my for my day job. I've been working a lot of hours, so I've been uh, I've been falling behind on podcasts. Aside from like my my core mainstays, um, I will say that I like Greg's show is genuinely one of my core mainstays. I always. You know, I just think it's a super interesting discussion, um, what they do. Um, you know, I've got my handful of political podcasts. Um, the I feel like I mean, the two the two audio dramas that I always talk about, um, Wolf 359 and Bright Sessions um, had two extremely strong episodes for their their last um, offerings. I think um, for Bright Sessions, they kind of uh, got away from the 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 kind of a plot that they've been doing for for a little while to just kind of um play in their world which is a really refreshing uh fun thing to hear um and wolf 359 had talking about action scenes um there was a there was an action scene in there that was done entirely with sound effects and and dialogue that was like i was so into it that it was borderline irresponsible of me to continue driving while i was listening to it um i just thought it was a really incredibly strong episode um our friends had joined the party pod which is normally an actual play D show they had a, an incredibly interesting interview um with jess uh i'm gonna get her name wrong i believe her name is jess zimmerman she's a writer let me double check that but um like basically, it was a talk about monsters in D anD D and femininity and who gets to be a monster. Um, so that's super. That's going to be kind of on brand for a lot of our fans, I think. If you guys want to check out that out and like, a bunch of my friends are in shows that I hear are really good and I haven't gotten to listen to yet. Like I hear, um, what's the frequency? Is a super cool audio drama, and I've just been not listening to new stuff so i'm sorry all my friends but that show is probably good if you want to check it out i think <laughs> but yeah i've i've been really enjoying join the party also if anyone hasn't seen that one yet that's a good one to check out it is a an actual play um D podcast but it's very different from the rest of them i think it's very fun and like i kind of in my in my um head canon it's animated which is kind of interesting <laughs> Like, yeah, I can see that. It's and it's it's very narrative driven and it's very it's like borderline audio drama. They use a lot of like sound beds and effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the one other audio drama that I wanted to shout out to was um, a podcast called Lesser Gods, and oh yeah, it's a really mm-hmm. interesting format. It's a so it's a sort of dystopian end of the world um, plot in which. Humanity has lost the ability to reproduce except for the final five people. So they have sort of become a cross between celebrities and superheroes and the hope for the rest of the world. But what's interesting about the the narrative style of them is they have multiple voice actors for each of the different characters, but every scene is always told from one character's perspective and that's the actor that does everything. So, like, huh. if if this were my scene, I would be saying my point of view and also saying the lines of the other people in the room because it's like I'm hearing it; it's in my head. And then, okay. and then you get so the you're narrating and voice acting all the characters, kind of right. But then in the next episode, you'd get the opposite character's perspective on the same scene. 
Hmm. And then that character is the one narrating and voice acting. It's do they they mimic the the other character sort of? Yeah, yeah. They they mimic the their counterparts, I guess. And so it's a really unusual and interesting narrative approach. So I, I find it really interesting and really cool to listen to. And I think it's one of the lesser known audio dramas. So I just like shouting it out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and two, I forgot. Um, the audio drama production podcast is uh, a really good show. that has been on for a while. If you're like thinking of making an audio drama, it's just this big compendium of advice on craft and business and all that stuff. And they've got a, a really active Facebook group that goes along with it. Uh, so that's a good one to check out if you're thinking of making your own show. And um, Métis in Space is a cool show that is probably going to have some overlap with uh, people who are interested in our show. It's two Métis women who watch um, sci-fi movies and uh, mostly shit on them for how badly they handle like indigenous representation and, and stuff like that. I think they they I think they generally liked Thor Ragnarok though. Um, the director is a is a Maori guy. Has, has everyone seen Thor? It was super fun. Still I haven't, haven't seen it. I haven't. It's seen really it. fun. I don't I don't usually rush out to see Marvel movies, but everyone told me to to see Thor, and Thor was very fun. Cool. Cool. Moving on to the next question. Um, getting back into the plot and the world a little bit. Oh, Kat, I hope that answered your question. I hope we got some good new recommendations for you. Um, I know you said you listened to some of those already in the live chat, so hopefully we got something new for you that you haven't heard. Podcast <laughs> back, great. <laughs> yeah, so moving on, we got a question on Tumblr from Standard Issue Plot Twist, and this question is a bit long, so I'll try to sort of cut to the to the key points of it, um, asking about basically the religion in Jordan. And uh, Standard Issue Plot Twist mentions how the religion seems to be influenced by real-world religions, including Catholicism, and there are other fantasy worlds that, you know, play religion a little differently and wants to know how we use the religion in Jordan to be either a commentary or our usual bending around other fantasy tropes, if that makes some sense. So, like, how, how do we use religion in the Once and Future Nerd as another way to comment on the tropes in fantasy stories. Christian, this is a question for you. Okay. I feel like I was talking <laughs> too much in these, but okay. Um, you should have thought about that before <laughs> you created and executive produced. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, so um, I guess a little biographical information uh, for me. Um, my dad was in the seminary for a while, so on the path to becoming a priest, um, and then quit um, after listening to a Jethro Tull record. Uh, so that kind of, I think, informs the brand of this show, I feel like, uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, and so I was raised like kind of Catholic, not really, but kind of. Um, and maybe there's other, you know, ex or semi-Catholics out here who can identify with this, but that like, um, the, the line, like my parents, we didn't go to church very often, but they, they made me go through the like whole Sunday school, um, you know, first communion, uh, uh, confirmation process. And the line was always like, well, if you want to marry a Catholic girl, you'll have to, d I, I like, I don't know. Um, so that's, uh, that's where I was coming from. And I always kind of, I 
wanted not much to do with the the Catholic Church, but kind of had my own um, own relationship with with religion that has changed at various uh, points in my life. Um, my first year of college, I went to Fordham, which is a, a Jesuit school, um, and the the Jesuits are kind of a, a sect of uh, Catholicism whose entire their entire deal is uh, believing they are smarter than the Pope. Um, that's kind of like their whole their whole thing. Um, and so with they they value education a lot. And basically, if you're a Jesuit, you go through the process of becoming a priest, and then right before you stop, or right before you you become a priest, they stop you and they like ceremonially kick you out, basically, and you have to go get a PhD. And then you can come back and be ordained as a priest. Um, and so that's kind of what I've modeled um, the the Order of the Quill, which is Nia's uh, sect of, of this faith after, is kind of a, a Jesuit thing. Um, I think that in our world, um, religion is not, you know, I think like actual scholars of medieval Europe will tell you just what a dominant feature of public life the church was and how it just had its hands in in everything and i don't think the religion is is that huge a part of public life um in jordan uh but it's definitely there and it's you know i like the idea that there are different orders that value different things within this faith and i think um you know i I almost, if I didn't go into into film after college, I was going to get a PhD in philosophy of religion. So that sort of thing is has always kind of interested me. So I like to kind of play with faith and metaphysics and and how that all works together. Um, and I think it's like something that I'm proud of in the show is that. I think it would be very easy in a in a fantasy world, in a world modeled on medieval Europe, to just constantly slam dunk on the worst possible version of religion. Um, and we've gotten, but we've gotten a lot of messages from people who who are are theists who have uh, really liked the way that we we dealt with with religion in both of like how screwed up the institution can get and in the the value that it can bring to individual lives. Um, and I think, so I, I think that's allowed us to create some, um, like that's a lot of the richness of Nia for me is kind of how she reconciles that stuff and how she um, keeps a, a personal sense of integrity when she really often disagrees with the institution and also how um, faith is, is important to her and something that has tied her to, to her family. Um, that was a really, rambly answer on a pretty complicated question but so i guess i'm interested to hear how you guys as as writers and actors have have found playing in that in that space well one thing i want to add on a bit real quick um especially in terms of comparing to other fantasy worlds and um the question asker mentioned a song of ice and fire i find that if you read a lot of fantasy one of the main decision points is are the gods real or not in and i don't mean in real like in a theist or atheist way but real is in a actually walking around in your world and interacting with things on a visible like obvious smack you in the face level um 
And I guess some examples of that are if you look at just because what's what I'm reading right now, Brandon Sanderson's novels, uh, <gasps> the the way of which I'm, one uh, I'm rereading way of Kings right now because I got, <sighs> I got the newest of that series for my birthday and I want to start again from the beginning. Um, but in his whole Cosmere, the, the gods are very like real and interacting with the world and really shaping things. And by contrast, um, in Scott Lynch's books, one of the big questions um, that the characters always have is, we follow this religion of the Crooked Warren. Is it Crooked Warden? Sorry. And they always ask, is this real or are we just putting our faith in something? And we sort of thread the needle a bit because I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to mention that Galadin and Garedian, in our world, they do interact with the world, but they're not directly the religious institutions. So that's sort of our twist. Like, and maybe people disagree with me on this, but I think, like, Christian, what you were discussing about how Nia's order and the different order different orders of religion, they aren't necessarily directly interacting with Galadon in a direct way. Do you, do you see what I mean? Am I making any sense? You're giving me a dumbfound stare. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that is an interesting twist that we can't sink our teeth into too much without giving too much away. Maybe true. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't speak of, religion or faith in the in the once and future nerd compared to other sort of fantasy tropes or other fantasy uh uh stories but um as a person of faith who's also an intellectual and obviously an artist um i and someone who has had uh a really interesting um relationship with with faith um and, and is a person who is is a questioner uh, at the same time that that I take my face very seriously. Um, I appreciate that there is a balance, um, that it's that it's not, that there are characters and aspects of faith and religion and how it's dealt with in the podcast that are, um, that, that, that rightfully sort of uh, present some religious figures and ideas and not the best light, which I think is, you know, it's, it's fair. But there are people like Nia and other other aspects that it that where it's presented in a more sympathetic light, and I appreciate that balance. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a way. I mean, it's like you know, you got to make well-rounded humans, you know, and it's not you know, um, it's not an argument if you just straw man and and slam dunk on the the worst aspects of of something which i do feel like happens in a lot of uh, contemporary fantasy sometimes maybe as a reaction to classic fantasy being um very very catholic uh maybe that's why that's that's there but um yeah i think you know that's where the the conversation maybe should be at this point yeah so unless anyone else has anything to add about that i hope that answered your question standard issue plot twist um, moving forward from that, we actually have another question from the same user, which is something that we've discussed in our previous Ask the Once and Future Nerds, which is that there is someone with secret bardic powers, and um, Standard Issue Plot Twist would like to know if we have more hints on who it might be, or at least whether more hints occurred in book one or in book two, 
and if it ever comes to light how we would deal with two bards in the same party and <laughs> two bards in the same party is called a harmony <laughs> it's a valid point <laughs> and i think to answer the second part duet. of <laughs> to answer the second part of that question i think even with our one bard we're not really doing this you know the stereotypical D&D bard's role in the party thing anyway so it's not it's not really like there is a role for the bard and that's the only purpose of the bard and then when you have two they step on each other's toes i think both of the bards we have are their own characters who happen to have these abilities and that's how they don't interfere with each other in any way yeah we don't organize every action scene like a D&D fight necessarily <laughs> Um, necessarily necessarily sometimes yeah sometimes we do i mean renault is straight out of tomb of horrors for sure but like this is all to me <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes th- there there were more hints in the latest chapter and like i think people have mostly figured it out yeah i think christian you said that the discord channel had some thoughts um, yeah, mostly uh, just a shout out. If anyone's listening who wants to join the Discord channel, please go do that. Yeah, they, they've they figured out a lot of things, and I'm not going to say which things they did and didn't correctly uh, figure out. But every time they like post their findings on Tumblr, I'm always like, yeah, they they got a lot of stuff right, huh? Yeah, um, that's that hive mind working for them. So Christian, can you direct people how to get to the Discord? I honestly don't know how to do it. Like, oh, if any yeah, fans want to join in, how do they do that? Um, that's, um, yeah, because I don't, the Discord is a place that I don't read. It's like our only social media forum, wherever, that, that I don't go to because I thought it was important to, like, leave the fans one bastion where they could talk and not assume we were uh, listening. Um, but if you go to our website, uh, onceafuturenerd.com, and there's the tabs at the top of the screen right under our uh, logo. Um, one of the tabs is Discuss. And if you scroll down to Discord, you can just click that and it'll it'll take you there. So yeah, I hope that's not too spoilery of an answer, but I hope it's an answer. So now we're, we're wrapping up. We're moving towards the end of this. We're almost at the hour mark, so we don't want to go on for too long. So we'll end the stream with... After our past Ask the Once and Future Nerd episodes have become known as cat specials. So these are more questions from cat on Patreon that tend to be the sort that make Ian hate me for life. So <laughs> the <What>? first <laughs> I mean you remember when we had our, our Hogwarts disagreements. Oh god, you were so wrong. That's right. <laughs> oh, this is cat? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's you cat. Oh hi. <laughs> We got some good ones. These are some of my favorites, honestly. So to start out this this time, Kat asks, if the main party was going to be in a rock band, what instruments would everyone play? And then if well, we... Go for first it. First of all, let me say I disagree with Zach. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. So I had, I had one that will probably be controversial, but let's hear what people think. I was picturing... If Regan were in a rock band, I was picturing her to play the slash role in Guns N' Roses, like stand off in the corner and don't really say anything, but just do badass shit on the guitar. Uh-huh. 
So who's her Axl Rose then? Oh, I didn't think that far. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, um, yeah. Oh wait, why can't I remember any of our characters? I think names? Brennan is a really good Brennan. bass player. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I I that. Brennan. Yeah. yeah, it would be either be bass or drums for sure. I don't think he's drums. He's uh, oh, okay. He's too otherwise competent. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like let's let's go with the, the Pennsylvanians. Billy, Jen, and Nelson. Jen, Jen has got some sort of lead thing. Billy's on like backup vocals. <laughs> I see Does Billy, Billy play like the tambourine. No, Billy, <laughs> Billy plays keyboard, but for some songs they unplug it without telling them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which feels bad, but um, but they do it. <laughs> He's got a bit of the the Will Ferrell cowbell in him, though. Like once he sets his mind to it, he really puts his all into it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see here. Bean. Arlene, Arlene could like be like brass. You think? I think that like, not, not like. I mean, this is a little too literal, but like, she's kind of the the Sandy Denny. Like, she'll she'll get brought in for a guest a guest vocal whenever they need something like okay. really you know pure and sweet and, and cool. Um, okay. Oh, like the so who's featuring, on brass? like whenever they say like. This band featuring Arlene, that's what it's... Yeah, 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 yeah. Where, where's Yellowine? Greg? <laughs> he, plays, uh, he plays flute. Yes, uh, he does. <laughs> he does. Yes, he <laughs> does. <laughs> He's the Ian Anderson of... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Or no, you know what? He also plays the... Um, when... <laughs> What is it? Uh, John Paul Jones has the recorder part on Stairway to Heaven. Mm -hmm. Yulian is just the recorder part. (laughs) He's all woodwind. Great. Um, Which is interesting. My answer for marching band is very different than than my answer for rock band. So what is Jen then? And what's Gwen? Oh, Gwen... um, I feel like Gwen sells the band drugs. I don't know why. <laughs> wow. Gwen's the she band wish. manager. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. Gwen would be a good manager. <laughs> so what is Jen? Jen's got to be some sort lead of... vocals. Yeah, somewhere in the front. Lead vocals? Yeah. 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 Did we, did we place Nia? No. Nia would be keyboard. Mm. Yeah. Zach, I dare you to disagree with me. <laughs> I, I just, I dare you. Do not make me come down there. The I think you are so wrong. Nia doing <laughs> I'm kidding. is uh, like, like she's the lighting expert and like <laughs> keeps yeah. them going. Like <laughs> makes, yeah. And do, it fires off all the pyrotechnics and everything, but it's all very calculated as to how it goes. Do, sorry. So we have, we have a drummer and a bassist. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. What was the our conclusion? Was Nelson apparently bassist was Brennan. I think all right, I'm going to I'm going to say Nelson's the lighting guy and Nia's mm-hmm. the drummer. I can I can see that. Or Brennan's the drummer and Nia's, Nia's the bassist cuz the two of them are kind of like the anchor, the the anchor of the group and keep them keep them grounded. 
Mm-hmm. Anybody not to say that 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 Nia's on keyboard? I, d- I don't understand. <laughs> Nia is the very ele- or, or she's got like a wonderful like Steinway and Sons piano that she like rocks okay, out right. on. Okay, right, all right. But- so I so I think this is maybe a band that has there's a piano player and then there's a keyboard player. So I think maybe oh, fine. Yeah. Uh, no, hang on, overkill. no, 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 because no, I think you're whatever. right. No, I mean, right, we listen, have like that's what, 15 people the, to place. We need yeah, a big band. Yeah, we have 15 people. The, listen, the E Street Band does that. We, the band does that. So you are because you are right, Nia, that, uh, Ian, that Nia plays like a like a lessons in a different order. <laughs> yes, plays like a nice like a like a white Steinway that and like she's in front of the stage, and maybe uh, like Nelson is off in the back with like an organ and 14 synthesizers just randomly strewn about the stage. I mean, you already mentioned John Paul Jones. Who I'd, I'd did pay to see this concert. All of the above. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Played bass and 14,000 keyboards. Had a triple neck guitar just so he could play <laughs> everything. Um, so are we... I think that's everyone. Do we have everyone? Should we do the marching band one? I really want to do the marching band one because well, you you seem to have some very uh, very uh, strong opinions on the marching band one. Yeah, um, for the fans who don't know, Zach and I met in marching band. Uh, it's also where I met Jess. It's also where uh, I met the mutual friend who introduced us to Greg. Uh, so marching band is kind of like the secret uh, organizer of the Once and Future Nerd. <laughs> it's always for anyone that's really into marching band. Yeah, <laughs> um, and. Zach, I want you to just admit that you know deep down in your heart that Yellowween is a trumpet player. Oh, yeah. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah. I was going to try to argue. I don't think I can argue. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, yeah. It, uh, it's weird because if, if we were talking music camp, which I went to, I would say that he's uh-huh. a saxophone player. But um, yeah, it has a whole different sa- cult, like cultural or like not culture what am i trying to say it's just like uh it's a different subculture yeah different musical subcultures that are going on in the in there but yeah because the sax saxophonists i think are considered the same way trumpets are considered in in your marching band got it okay all right so they're just real shitheads Hey, I know there's a, there's a saxophone player in the chat right now. Oh, fight! Anyway, um. I I played sax. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so then, would would Billy be somewhere in the low brass? Um, I feel like he wouldn't. The low brass, they're like they they fuck around, but they show up. Like I feel like Billy is more a tuba player or a drummer. Has anyone seen the Geico commercial with the guy who has the triangle solo? No. I don't think I've seen oh. that one. So there's a guy, uh, they, they do their, like, someone having a triangle solo? Surprising. What's not surprising? <laughs> How much you can save with Geico. Like, so this guy goes insane with a triangle solo. <laughs> That's Billy. <laughs> yeah, he could. Billy would get way too into a triangle solo. I think that's that's going into the the Will Ferrell thing that, that Zach was saying. Um, Regan strikes me as low brass. Yeah, I would I would put Regan on trombone and Billy on tuba. I think that's what I'd. Yeah, that's how I'd see it. I think I think that's right. Um, 
Also, yeah. for, for, for Josh in chat, I think what Greg is saying about you is what Christian was just saying about me. So I'm, <laughs> I'm on your side on this one. <laughs> um, let's see. I think that um, I feel like Nia maybe plays plays Horn, maybe. And Jen, I think, joined marching band as a flute, but plays sax in pep band, I think. Yeah, that, get, no, that got no reaction. All right. Well. <laughs> after, I got I got nothing. After book one, she became a, a sax player for the yeah. for the pep band. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I was going to say she became a trumpet player because of the sheer levels of awesomeness, <laughs> but I'm apparently a little biased. <laughs> I guess she could become a trumpet player when she's like super confident in herself. <laughs> she doesn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this got very this got very chilly very got, quickly. Yeah, got got a little personal. So, so maybe we should move on to the final cat special. Which of the characters has the worst fashion sense? Mm, that's a fun question. Anyone uh, that Christian plays. <laughs> they actually, yeah, they actually all wear Bruce Springsteen shit. Well, Renault has the worst fashion. Like that's well, a given, right? Yes. Like he's got like. A ponytail on a bald spot, <laughs> and a fedora. That's <laughs> um, impossible uh, to. What about uh? How's Arden look? What's what's he sporting these days? Um, like a loincloth or something. I mean, yeah, he's got like a loincloth, yeah, right? maybe, maybe like <laughs> half, half of a kilt that's falling off. <laughs> I think. I think probably. What will soon to be some of our more fashionable people are the ones that were teased at the end there. Uh, <laughs> yes. Has has Nia worn anything but her sort of her priesthood cowl? No, I think she kind of like makes a point of not being in any way ostentatious with her with her clothes. Like she makes a point to wear very simple um, clothes, but. Obviously, it's not a poor fashion sense. That's just no, a, a, it's a choice. A choice. Um, Yellowween would obviously be considered fairly fashionable in the world. He's got you know Please. very rich parents who basically set they basically set whatever the style is. So kind of like whatever mm-hmm. Yellowween wears is, is Brennan would just wear armor. Yeah, constantly. he's just in armor. Yeah, yeah. and it's probably um, old beat up armor. Like it's not like super shiny. You know, pristine, especially armor. at this point. Yeah, right. Um, I, I think in our world, Jen probably has, like, Jen probably reads fashion magazines like aspirationally, um, and has like made a really good, um, made like gotten really good out of habit in like finding stuff in the thrift store and making it. Uh, like look fashionable, and I just I just saw Lady Bird last night, which is fantastic, and that that strikes me as very true to to Jen. So who's got the worst? Is the question. I don't think anyone is particularly terrible. <laughs> What's that? I don't yeah, think. I, mean, I, I feel like all the kids probably have a pretty decent um, fashion sense. I feel like the knee jerk. Maybe not Nelson. Well, well, well no, I was going to say that I feel like the low hanging fruit would be Nelson, but. I feel like he might be kind of one of these geek chic people almost. We're like geek chic. No, I'm serious. I've never heard. <laughs> no, I've yeah. never heard the term. Really? Well, I love it. Well, there you go. That's a term. Um, no, I buy it. 
you know, that, that in fashion right now, there is sort of a movement where sort of looking like a, a geek, quote unquote, you know, is, is fashionable. So he, it's almost like he'd be ahead of his time in a way or something like that. He just, he doesn't, he doesn't actually have fashion sense, but he happens to be wearing what is fashionable now. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Except that, you know, at his school, they haven't, they, they're not hip yet, but once right. he gets to college, he's going to be dope and get all the girls. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's, he's got kind of like a Donald Glover thing. Going. Boom. There you yeah. go. Oh, uh, I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. Assuming uh, so that he can get right. back to his world and get to college, because right. yeah. <laughs> at the moment yeah. he's got a little bit of a impediment to that right. with the whole Jordan thing. Yeah, yeah. That probably. I mean, that probably leaves Regan, who's just in, uh, whose like sense of fashion is how many knives can I hide? Well, there's that, but all, like she's got to get good at blending in. She's got to at least know who dresses how. I think she'd be. I think she'd have the the most fun fashion sense she'd be the like edgy person that like it's so but person for elimination it's probably billy who's like who's very over impressed with sports fleeces yeah yeah he probably doesn't put too much thought into what he wears like he'd be boring basically he'd be like boring but he thinks he looks great he just he just like gets by because he's conventionally attractive and like built and in high school that's good enough. Pretty and much, I think. I bet Arlene has been kind of separated from everyone else, so she might not have a sense of what the like current styles are because she's been so isolated. Yeah, that's true. this she's is where we get into our fight. Uh-oh. She looks amazing. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> either that or she like Stand before... down, Zach Glass. Stand <laughs> down. Either that or before she gets involved in the group, she has like a sorority girl kind of uniform. So it's just very kind of milk toast down the road. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You it's know not what? Bad, it's not good. You know what? And this is gonna well, okay, we gotta we gotta keep going after this because this is gonna get dark. Um but I think honestly Arlene, uh, as a um, like as a survivor of abuse, might dress in a way that, uh, consciously or not, doesn't draw attention to herself. Hey, so that probably merited some more sensitive and thoughtful discussion, huh? Yeah, in hindsight, I agree with you. Uh, but what happened in the moment is uh, I got nervous about being live and steamrolled right past it into a really dumb bit about Bruce Springsteen, um, which precluded anyone else from weighing in on the bomb I just dropped. Not great, Christian. Um, Ian even calls me out on it later in the episode, which you'll hear. That was fair. Uh, but so Shannon emailed us afterwards and asked to record some thoughts to splice in later, um, and that's what you're going to hear right now. And then we're going to cut away from a bunch of BS that followed and seems really tonally wrong listening back and we'll pick back up at a more sensible place in the conversation i agree with christian but felt that some nuance could be added to that perspective however i didn't formulate my thoughts as coherently and clearly nor as quickly as i wanted to in the moment past as a woman and the only woman on the team participating in the live stream and due to the sensitive and timely nature of the subject i felt compelled to share my thoughts with the team after the fact and wrote them the following in an email. Fashion Sense question was more thought-provoking than I would have expected. 
I appreciate Christian bringing up how Arlene's sexual assault might affect how she dresses, that it would be in a way that didn't call attention to herself. I thought to respond to that point during the live stream, but hadn't fully formulated my thoughts to do so in the moment. Then the moment passed. It's possible that she would dress in a, in a way that's inconspicuous, but equally or more so as a result of her generally sheltered life, particularly under the thumb of her generally abusive brother, and or because of the mores of the society that she's in, and or depending on whether the assault was in her recent or distant past. I don't think she'd be a flashy dresser or particularly fashionable, but I don't see her as dowdy or plain as a reaction to the assault. She probably has a simple, practical style versus someone like Jen who would be deliberately fashionable. I know women who are sexual assault survivors where you would not know based on how they dress. As current events are making clear, sexual harassment and violence are common enough that a person's sartorial choices are not an indicator that they were victimized. So we've got in the chat, Regan wears leather cargo pants, so she has a bunch of pockets, but also looks badass. <laughs> leather cargo pants. Leather cargo pants. I think you must have found ways to just, like, strap all kinds of weapons to herself without it, like, sticking out of the... In, I think in, like, in the, in the R world AU... Regan definitely wears leather cargo pants. Yeah. But in this world, I think she's found a way to, like, strap a bunch of shit to herself and still not draw attention. Well, here's the question. We established early on that she's always carrying her bedroll with her, right? Yes. So is this, like, hobo haversack looking? Or is it, like, I'm a camper, I always have a, you know, a huge 60-pound backpack on my back looking? (laughs) It's so. I don't think it's a sixty-pound backpack. I think it's. It looks like a bedroll, but it's actually like an extremely thin mattress. And when you roll it out, it's just like packed with weapons. So, like when she's carrying it, though, does it look? What does it look like? Is it? Does it look like a like a haversack, or is it? It looks like a sleeping bag. How it's like it, a. It's like a roll. How is it attached to her, though? Is it like on like a, a strap? Because she's not holding it in so. both hands. No, I think she's. It's like it's like um like a. It looks like a straw mattress roller, like you know wooden planks or whatever rolled up, and then she's probably got yeah a strap over one shoulder or something. It could be a crossbody strap. That's mm. practical. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's probably got it. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, you're right. She's probably got it like over her back and then if she needs to she can like the sword's in the middle and she can reach and grab and pull it out i think that's right that sounds right okay cool well cat you've succeeded in making ian hate me again so well done i mean you just say the most absurd things (laughs) (laughs) monica says says a yoga mat and i think that's actually pretty close yeah (laughs) yeah i could see that a yoga mat full of knives Mm-hmm. Pretty much. It's like, yeah, a diversion. Yeah. Cool. And it's got to be at least wide enough for her her longest sword. So it's probably about like three feet wide, maybe. Yeah, I can see that. And that's not yeah. particularly stylish. No. So, no, but it doesn't. Yeah, that's true. All right. So Regan has the worst fashion sense, I guess. No, she's got a good sense. Uh... She just chooses not to wear it. Ian's angry at me again. 
It's just I, I'm I'm angry at Christian too for like introducing something so dark and saying and now we move on. Like it's. I'm yeah. sorry. They asked the question. <laughs> Kenna What's in the next question. Kenna in chat says so basically an arrow quiver but with a million different weapons. That's probably a good way yeah, to look that's at about it. Right. Yeah, I think she's got to unroll it to get to most of them, but that the like the 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 biggest sword she can just grab. Get quick access to the sword, and then like, yeah, probably a couple other knives, just like just barely sticking out there. And... Yeah, and the, but she's also got like a million knives just. Oh yeah, no, she can get them from anywhere. Every part of her body. Force a habit. She has to like she yeah. has to have one up here too. If, she, if she's gonna reach anywhere on her body, she has to also be able to get a knife. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I'm scratching my nose, but also, oh. yeah. Um, also a knife. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in our world, in our world, in a in a our world AU, uh, leather cargo pants, and definitely like like a biker jacket and like a real cool haircut, like you know this side of the head shaved and long hair on the other side, probably like drives a motorcycle. Yeah. With guns in it. Oh, that would be that would be an interesting bonus episode. What what all these people would be like in our world, all the yeah. Jordan people. That would be fun. Ugh. Oh no! <laughs> oh, there's there's cat's next oh, no. question. <laughs> there's the cat's next question. We already established Yellowin is a flautist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's actually the last question we have for today. So. Thank you, everyone who joined on the live chat for participating with us. Thank, thank you all, Ian and Christian and Shannon and Greg, for, for joining in and answering some questions. Um, you are very, very welcome. Got it. If you are just catching this, you can catch the full video replay on our YouTube channel, or the, the audio feed will be going up on our podcast channel, as well as um, bloopers and gag reels from Chapter 3. So look out for that. Um, check us out, you know, all the usual places, check out our Facebook, our Twitter, our Tumblr. Um, does anyone have any last words, anything they'd like to add in? Um, I wanted to make sure I, I shouted out, um, Tim Sample, the main, uh, comedian, uh, humorist that I, it, most of the captain's, uh, accent came from. Uh, so you should check him out. He's been a state of Maine mainstay for a long time, so... Cool. Cool. Anyone? I have a shout out, but I'll go ahead and pitch. Um, I booked and shot my uh, must join SAG gig, so look for me uh, in the new year somewhere that I can't tell you right now. Nice. Awesome. Right on. <laughs> Good Very exciting. Congratulations. Congratulations. Correct. Everyone, check out all film media for Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> Split it up into different networks with your friends if you have to. <laughs> right. <laughs> and do a podcast. And, and podcast. Yeah. The, the Looking for Shannon network. Central <laughs> <laughs> Where in the world is Shannon? Yeah. <laughs> and on that, I think we'll wrap it up. Thanks, everyone. Um, see you soon for Chapter 4. We don't have the release date exactly yet, do we? No, it'll be, it'll be early-ish next year, I would say. Early-ish in January. Look out for Chapter Four. Um, see you Is then. That right? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's wait. I don't know if it's January. <laughs> okay. But, well, first quarter. First quarter. Yeah. Yeah. First quarter. For Q1. Sure. Q1. Q1. Yeah, Q1. Awesome. Well. Yeah. See you then. Thanks, right, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye.
Christian, Hi. come home soon. Hi, I know, I'm coming. I'm coming. Don't let them convert you to uh, poutine. I'm coming home. <laughs> bye. Wait, what do you got against poutine? It's great. Anyway. Okay, okay bye. 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 a lot of words this time. Words? I mean, I guess, like, the whole show is kind of words. It's, yeah, that's true. Dude, that was really good. Can we just get one more take of the, the song? I like this. The song again? Yeah, it's okay. good. I do hear, I do hear. It is yeah. Bob Dylan's name. I heard it. Easy. Easy. Yeah. Easy. <laughs> I tried to not do Bob Dylan this time. Well, like I said, you might travel tonight, but not on your own two legs. I got my arms. I can pull myself. That's not going to work either. <laughs> oh, my arms. They're jelly, too. <laughs> nice me, and creepy. Me say I'm a, sound a bit like a Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I was thinking that. But I didn't want to say it to ruin your performance. No, thank you. Little Jar Jar, little Yoda. <laughs> it's the only time I have refrained from insulting a cast. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> we so much appreciate it. Oh, God. Good luck. No, your grace, but I think you'd better hear the account from him. Can we have Garrett do that? Yeah, why am I not doing that? (laughs) Why am I? (laughs) (laughs) It was good. (laughs) (laughs) Your mic's a little droopy. What are you trying to say? (laughs) Get your hands off my mic. You guys can get down a little bit. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Get a tiny bit closer. Alright, just recalibrating. Yep, yep. Okay. Do you, you need a music stand? I'm yeah, good, I'm good. Are we recording, Jared? Where are we? Where are we? Uh, I'm sorry, we're on page four. <laughs> we're on page 44. <laughs> <laughs> Garrett and I are just like, sure, whatever. <laughs> Guys, have you noticed how fun it is to be completely disrespectful towards Christian? <laughs> it is so the spice of life. <laughs> I don't know. I just like implying that you're like impotent. <laughs> That's more fun Potent? to me. Impotent. 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 <laughs> yes, and like not potent. Right. Mean what? <laughs> Sorry. Meanwhile, <laughs> I'm acting. Everyone, give reverence. Meanwhile, no, sorry. <laughs> you did also say that previously. Yeah. Meanwhile, in another tent nearby. Good. Yeah. I'm not going to say it again. Just out of sheer spite. Okay, fine. Back in the hall of justice. I was gonna make that joke. That's a good joke. Meanwhile, at the Legion of Doom. Yeah, we got it, Malcolm X. Yeah, we got it, Malcolm Xima. Yeah, we got it, Huey P. Newton in the news. Yeah, we got it, Doctor the King. Wait, is he like saying like he's about to say shotgun and he says not it, or is he saying oh, it's like no shot, shot not it? Like, like it means like I don't have but, to do it. Yeah, you're calling okay. shotgun, but for not doing it. Uh, I don't know. That was like in the in my college parlance. <laughs> okay, no, that's okay. a thing. Yeah, that's a yeah. Thing, right? yeah, it's a th- it just you know Paul just has no yeah. idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was like uh, shot, uh, okay. not it, not it, nose. <laughs>
All right. Don't so want to do it. I said it first. I was just touched the tip of my nose and then said not it. It wasn't like a. Yeah, like that was really vigorous. Yeah, that was really vigorous. I, I didn't I know. Just I just touched the tip of my nose and yeah. then like. And I, I well, like, this is like nerd, but like this is this like, is like like cocaine field and party fifty four like club fifty four nineteen eighties, like not it. Um, okay, so okay, well, well, don't look at me like that. I was just trying to make a like, like not it. I'm not paying for drugs. Yeah, yeah, that's all. I'm at, that's <laughs> yes, what I'm at. Exactly. That's exactly it. Like Wolf of Wall Street. Not it. Yeah. <laughs> it's you now, Jerry. If you wish to catch bees, my lord, you may use honey or vinegar. Vinegar costs time and wastes good wine. Honey needs bees. <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> that was good though. Oh yeah, do you want to? Hey, where would we fit it real quick? Oh guys, guys, we got to. Where? Well, because this was written back when the wiretapping was the latest oh. ridiculous thing. And yeah. now we're, we're on to bushes. <laughs> um, maybe when he says, okay, when the, uh, when the head priest says, then you may make sport or play in the hedges. Play in the bushes, uh, rather than and avoid everyone. Uh. Yeah. Um, come on, Lord, just one day this month, then you may make sport or... or oh, hide in the bushes from them. Uh, or among... <laughs> you can say, I would never hide in the bush. <laughs> among the bushes. <laughs> hey, says that's more like it. <laughs> Please, please, please. Obviously. I've never wanted anything so much. <laughs> Which, um, where, what, what page is that on? We're on, so we're starting on 52. And right. The lines we're talking about are like middle to the bottom of 55. Oh, 55. Okay. All right. All right. Twist my arm, why don't you? Uh, it was so easy to get you to do that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, so I'll do some cooing before you start throwing up, Garrett. I'm going to puke on your baby. <laughs> then I'm going to eat him. <laughs> and then puke him up. And then eat him up. Yeah. So we're back to Saturn. But that's disgusting. Yep. Regan gestured to the captain with the accent of FDR to follow her into a secluded corner of the cargo hold. You know what? One, one man went chance. by the name of Homer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my best here, guys. No, great. it's, it's uh, what's his face? Uh, Who, uh, Jimmy Smith from, uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, yeah. Oh, from like it, oh Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Sorry, Stewart. yeah, it's oh, wonderful. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. oh no, she. Oh, someone better start talking here, Martha. The best is what's it? The one where if, if the myth the myth is true, you print the what's that movie? Oh, the myth is true. You print the uh, oh, is that Citizen Kane? No. No. Um, uh, Christian from the future here. Uh, the movie that I am failing to remember the name of is The Legend of Bagger Vance, and nope, that's not it either. I went to record a correction to myself and then got it wrong and had to look it up on IMDb and record a correction to my correction. The film is called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Whichever that one, that's that's Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne and like neither one of them talks like a human. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. The crew of the ship was now catching up to their Olaf. <laughs> the crew of the ship was now catching up to Olafsons. To their Olafs. Yes. 
Was that deliberate? No. No, I, I don't know. A bunch of last minute changes. Well, there might be a different Olafson. <laughs> they, have to, they have to make a distinction. <laughs> Everything's stupid. <laughs> he advanced, red-faced, towards a stunned and frightened Arlene, but Billy got in the way. And then the... <laughs> 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 Sons of <laughs> and then there's see, one. I see you did. You replaced all captains Olafsons. with all. That's exactly. Right. I need to find and replace because he used to just be called Captain. I got it. I get it. Yeah. But <laughs> all right, yeah, keep on saying. And then Olafson's eyes fixed on some point over Billy's shoulder, and his face went white. All turned to look at where. Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> All the Olafsons turned to look at where the initial Olafsons. <laughs> All his lines are now replaced with Olafson? 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 <laughs> I think he's just very proud of the toast line. No, I keep on. The next one. I always feel like you guys smoke pot right before. Like I just. We're just tired. You didn't get the memo. That's just. Oh God, that's what we do. I know too. Like honestly, looking at everyone. I know. Everyone. Children behave. Okay. Alright. Could you set up a new take? This is called Woo Apple. Woo.